Those are like my favorite peeps in the whole wide world. And we're all together. And Jesus is here. This is great. My name is Tom, if I have not met you. And I love you anyway. Um, look, we are in a series that we like to call Set Free. And in it, uh, since Easter, we have been getting set more and more and more and more free from the stuff that holds us down, holds us back, holds us defeated uh, by God. And so we're glad that you're here for this. And if you have missed any of the Sundays between then and now, and, and let's be honest, you have, you have, um, you want to go to the website because we got free podcasts, and that is at Gunnison Say it with me, dot com. That's right. Um, we have free podcasts. They're there. Search out the ones you missed. Why? Because you want to get radically, ultimately free. And if you miss one of those things, you may not get free from that. And, and that's what we want for you, too. So today we are talking about set free from fear of death. Now, that affects all of us uh, from the young to the not so young. You know, it doesn't matter who we are, what stage of life. Somehow, thinking about death, fear of death, um, can control our lives to some degree. I remember we hadn't lived here long, and our daughter Quincy was six years old. That's her back there. Um, we were driving down, like, Gold Basin Road. We turned left off the highway, you know, so we're going back to our house, and lo and behold, there are cars parked on the sides of both sides of the street for some reason. Why? I don't know. But I'm American, so I find a place to join them, right? You got a park, because it might be something cool that you're missing. Well, there's a park ranger walking by that I know, and I wave to him. I say, hey, hey, what's going on? He says, well, there's a bear in a tree by the river, and they're going to tranquilize. They're going to shoot the bear, tranquilize it, and then relocate him. I said, oh, this was worth it. This is cool. So I roll the windows down on that side of the car where Quincy's sitting. And all of a sudden, she starts crying. And I'm like, sweetie, what reason is there to cry? We've got a great parking spot for the coolest thing we've seen in a long time. She says, no, it's because they're going to shoot the bear with the tranquilizer. He's going to fall out of the tree, and he's going to come eat us. Oh, sweetie, no, no, you stop crying. You see that nice man there who got out of his car with his camera, and he's walking toward the tree? She goes, yeah. I said, when they shoot the bear, he's going to fall out of the tree and eat that man. <laughs> then, then I'm going to roll the windows up, and we're going to be fine. She said, okay. And that was it. So like fear of death. It affects littles. She just wasn't particularly afraid of the death of the guy with the camera. But seriously, we all fear death, regardless of what stage of life we're in to some degree. And here's the thing, fear of death gets in the way of life. And God is all about maximum life. So in order to experience maximum life, we have to deal with that. Does everybody have one of these? We're going to cover so much ground. If you need one, uh, Bill has just uh, volunteered to bring you one. Right. Just raise your hand. I just want you to be able to keep up 
and have some notes for later to review. Okay, so some of us fear our own death. Some of us, and, and we, we, we wonder what that's going to be like, and we ask questions like, are, uh, am I going to reach heaven? Good question, right? Some of us have fear about the death of somebody else that we love, a, a spouse, a child, a parent, uh, right? I know some of you are dealing with that right now. And that's tough. And some of us, um, it's the process of dying. Like knowing that we're going to encounter this, what's that going to be like? Is it going to be quick and, and painless? Or is it going to be, um, is it going to be like slow and painful? And the process is what hangs us up. But regardless, um, it causes us, this fear of death, to do crazy things. We eat kale. We eat tofu. We eat acai, which I'm pretty sure is a made-up fruit. Pretty sure. Never heard about that growing up. So regardless, um, we run like incessantly. We lift stuff that makes us grunt. Like maybe that's good, okay? But, but too much sometimes. The fear of death. We don't even want to look like we're eventually going to die. Are you tracking with me? We don't want to look like we're getting older, like we're getting closer to it. So what do we do? We get these hipster haircuts. We, you know, we, we, we get these procedures. We get masks. We get scrapers. We get these things, that thing. We're wearing clothes. We have no business wearing at our age. You know, no, nobody here is like that, but you know people like this, right? Oh, my goodness. Keeping us looking like we're never going to die. Multi-billion dollar industry. Oh, oh, look at her. She's 100 years old. Yes, but she only looks 75. Isn't that, isn't that, is that what we're shooting for? A good-looking corpse. Really? You know? Getting older, getting old. No, I'm not belittling it, but but I kind of am. Um, is not for sissies. This facing of death is not for sissies, and and everybody knows it. Woody Allen said this. He said, "It it, it it's not that I'm afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens, <laughs> right? That's what. So that's how he feels about it. So we should think about and talk about death because it is." going to happen. It's on your calendar, by the way. You just can't see when it is. If, if you could, would you want to know? Would you want to know? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But it is on your calendar, and, and God knows. So we should talk about it. George Bernard Shaw said, um, he said this. He said, the statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of one people die. <laughs> right? Thinking about our mortality, it's just smart. It's just smart. Why? Because you're going to be dead longer than you're going to be alive, right? I mean, whatever happens after you die is longer than what happens when you're alive on this. So it makes sense, right? It makes sense to put some thought into it. You, you and I have crossed enough bridges that we haven't thought about enough until we get there. And those don't turn out well. So we want to do it. In fact, Solomon, the wisest guy who ever lived aside from Jesus, wrote this. 
Well, maybe he did. He did write this. Okay. In Ecclesiastes, a wise person thinks a lot about death, thinks often about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. A wise person considers the fact that they're not going to be here. And what, what about that? But a fool only thinks about having a good time. Listen, you and I can have a better time for way, way longer if we'll take time to think about the reality of death. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do this morning. And we're going to look at four things. Number one, why is death your enemy? Number two, broken ways that we try to deal with this death thing. Number three, how Jesus killed death, how he dealt with it. And because of that, number four, how you and I can live free of the fear of death. We can't even imagine how beautiful that would be. So first, why is death your enemy? First, we have to realize that death was not part of God's original plan. Your death, my death, the death of people was not part of God's original plan. You and I were created to enjoy an ever-increasing, never-ending love relationship, blessing, shalom, peace in the presence of God eternally. Death came because our first parents messed it up. But before you blame them, we, we mess it up too, every single one of us, right? T check out Genesis chapter 3, right? Our, our first parents decide sin is better than God, being my own God is better than God being my God, right? So here's what happens. Romans tells us when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, right? God's perfect shalom, peace over people, in people, over creation was shattered. Adam's sin brought death, disease, suffering, pain, all of that. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. So by heredity and by uh, our own choices, our own decisions, every one of us sins. And wherever there's sin, there is death. Wherever there's sin, there is death. So um, let me share with you a very depressing verse. Okay? Sunny Sunday. <laughs> Here we go. Um, for the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. Right? Sin brought death. And, and ever since our first parents sinned, death is the reality. So death is the minimum wage payment for sin. Death is the maximum wage payment for sin. Hey, how much does this sin job pay? Death, right? That's it. Death. Death always comes from sin. You see, sin is a departure from the way God meant things to be. You depart from God, God is life. What does that leave? Right? It's ever-increasing death until it gets swallowed up in death. Well, I'm not so bad as this guy, right? So I must be okay. That's like saying, I'm only going to take one shot of cyanide, right? No, no, check this out. For whoever keeps the whole law, like lives perfect, but fails in one point, you got a bad day, right? Has become guilty of it all. Here's the reality from God's perspective. It's pass fail. Like you screw up once, you're a sinner. Boom, death, right? Say, well, he's got an awful high standard. Yeah, he's perfect. You want to go shack up with a perfect guy, you got to be perfect, right? That's the deal. It's, it's a pass fail. And the only one who ever passed this test 
was Jesus. God with skin on, never sinned, right? Everybody else, you, me, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, Charles Manson, we fail. We all fail. Some of us more fail than others, but you got a better failing grade. You still failed. But Jesus didn't like those grades, and he didn't like what they did to the people that he loved. So he changed them, and we'll take a look at how he did that. But we see death as our enemy because it steals the light, the joy, the peace, the contentment, um, the shalom that God created you to have. Jesus says this, the thief comes. Okay, somebody's coming for you. Who are we talking about here? Who are we talking about? Who said Jesus? No, we're not talking about Jesus. We're talking about the devil, right? The thief comes. He's coming after you to do something only to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Do you see the death? The death in there? It's just not a hard where's Waldo thing. It's pretty obvious. Steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your life, kill your life, and destroy your life. Right? He says, but I came. Who are we talking about now? Yes, that's right. That's right. I came. I came to your rescue that they, who they? Who this? Us, me, you. I came that you might have what? Life, not death, life, not death, life to the max. Have it abundantly. I came to undo what Satan did through sin that gave him the power to do that. So, but rather than trust in Jesus as our hope, we have broken ways that we try to deal with death over and over. You will hear people wax philosophical as they write a different narrative about death, right? J.K. Rowling, brilliant author of the uh, Harry Potter series. She says, to the well-organized mind, Death is but the next great adventure. That sounds cool. That sounds hipster. That sounds tweetable. The only problem is that sounds wrong. That sounds wrong. doesn't matter how well organized your mind is. If it's wrong, it doesn't. Brilliant author ought to stick to fantasy, right? According to God, death is not natural. Death is not an adventure. According to God, it is the most unnatural thing. Check out Pastor John Bloom. That's what God says. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible encourage us to view death itself as a good thing. Death is not a good thing. It's a horrible, evil thing. Anyone who has watched a loved one die can attest to its hideousness. Death is our mortal enemy. And if you're wondering, does God agree? His word says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And he does exactly that. But we try, you and I try as much as we can to deal with destroy death ourselves by denying it'll happen, trying anything. We're going to buy this vitamin supplement, this essential oil, if I drink it, put some here and here. No, I'm not... I'm, I'm not, you, God bless you with the oils, but I'm like, um, no, no, I, but we just try to put it off. Like, you don't want to make a billion bucks. Never get sick, never die, 
right? That we're going to find the thing. In fact, like you've heard of this, people, I think one, one great athlete had himself cryogenically frozen until they find the cure for the disease that was killing him. Think this through. Unless everybody you know and love was also frozen, when you thaw out, they're gone. You still want that, even if it works. I mean, we will go to any lengths to do this. We inherently know death is the enemy to be destroyed, but we think we're the ones to do it. And without an understanding of Jesus and the good news, the gospel, then we believe this lie. When this life ends, I end. No. No, you don't. No, you don't. You were created, as we said before, you are created an eternal being. And this body is still affected by sin and death. You are created an eternal being. Sin brought death, but Jesus brought life. Check it out. Check it out. For the sin of this one man, Adam, that's what we're talking about, caused death to rule over many. That's pronounced all. Okay? But even greater, if you have your worksheets, I want you to underline that, circle that, star that. Even greater, even more powerful, even more important, even more overwhelming is God's wonderful grace, undeserved favor, and his gift, circle gift, of righteousness, which means not that we walk around, right, squeaky. No, we're made right with God. That's what that means. For all who receive it, right? That's what you do with gifts. You receive it. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ, who also happened to be God. That is the solution. That what killed death. It's a gift. We have to receive it. So how did Jesus kill death? Jesus killed death with his own death and resurrection. Let's look at the second half of that depressing verse because the second half is more awesome than the first half is depressing. Here as it goes. The wages of sin is death. What does this job pay? Death, right? He says, but the free gift, underline free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. One we earn, spend your life earning death, the other is a gift. What do you do with the gift? You have to receive it. doesn't matter if it's offered to you. It's been offered to everybody. We spend our lives trying to receive it, trying to take it, trying to convince all the people we know, just receive this. Just take it. Just take him. Right? That's all it takes because he's done all the heavy lifting. One thing you earn. The other one, it's a gift. Get your pencils up. This one is our key verse, man. This is so powerful. You need to look at this. You're going to be doodling all over this one. Take a look at this. Um, no, it's not this one. <laughs> it's the next one. Um, do we have when God's... Uh, yes, here we go. Because God's children are human beings, track with this, made of flesh and blood, the Son that is Jesus, also became flesh and blood, right? He came to be like us. For only as a human being 
could he die? And only by dying could Jesus break the power of the devil who had, past tense, the power of death. Only in this way could he set free, that's the, that's the title of this series, set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of God. Now, I want you to go through this on your worksheet. I want you to circle the words only. It comes three ways. Um, for only as a human being, right? Circle only. And then a little bit later it says, and only by dying, circle that, only. Only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of sin. Only, third time, in this way could he set free all those. Now, only, only, only. Let me give you the ancient translation of this word. It means only. <laughs> only. There is no other way. There is no other way. But wait a minute. No. No. All roads up the mountain lead to the top. Yeah, if you're climbing a mountain. But you're trying to get to God. And when you're trying to get to God, it would be best to listen to God as to how to do that. And he's saying the only way is to let me reach you through my son, Jesus Christ. That's a gift. That's a gift. You don't have to chart this course and find this gift. No, you're confronted with a gift. He's saying, I'm going to take sin. I'm going to take death and I'm going to absorb it and have it work its worst on me. And I'm going to beat it and rise again. That payment that you've been earning your whole life, you trust me, and I got you covered. Because I paid the debt in myself. And only a sinless person could do it. Because a sinful person would deserve that anyway. That's why God had to come, and that's what this says. I want you to look in the middle. It says, only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Sin gave Satan the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And Jesus died. And I imagine he walked in there and says, hand him over. And you know, Satan's great at twisting scripture. He says, the wages of sin is death and they all, they all sin, so they all die. He says, I just died for them. That if they put their trust in me, I have paid it. Give it over. And he took them and he walked out. He had the power of death. Now, John, the Apostle John, you know, in Jesus' earthly life, he was like his wingman. He was his bestie, right? Hanging around with him. Nobody knew his face better. Nobody knew his voice better. Nobody knew his character probably better than John. John writes this when he sees Jesus in glory. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. I was like, yeah, it was awesome. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have, present tense, the keys of death and hell. I have the keys. And the old song says, he holds the keys. He holds the keys. And though we've been held captive 
at long last we are free for he holds the key. And if you have Jesus, then you have victory over sin. You have victory over death. He took the keys. And then Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life right now. They will never be condemned, never for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. In this life, they have passed from death into life. Their body just needs to catch up. He goes on. He says, I assure you that the time is coming indeed. It's here right now. It's here now when the dead, and he's not talking about people who are six feet, he's talking about the spiritually dead who are alive will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. Those who listen will live. I want you to see that they have already passed from death into life. Do you realize that's you if you have surrendered your life, if you have received that gift. You have already passed from death to life. When your body dies, you just keep getting swallowed up in more and more life, and you're going to get a heavenly body and a new creation, and and we're not even going to go into all that greatness right now, but you need to know that. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. Eternal life starts the moment you receive Christ. I'm talking to some of you here. If you have not repented of your sin, then sorry for it. Come to him and said, Lord, I, I believe that I deserve what you got. And I also believe that, that you offered to do that for me in my place so that I could be set free. You paid that, which I owed. And, and I put my full trust. If you haven't done that, then you are still not already passed from death to life. You are in death, spiritual death, even as your body lives. But you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. It's a gift. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to change. You, you know, all the people, I don't have the kind of life. Join the club. I just accepted the gift. And he's changing my heart. He's changing my appetites. He's changing my addictions. He's changing me into him. But I've already moved from death to life, and you can too. And you've got to receive the gift, knowing about Jesus, knowing Bible stories and Bible. That isn't good enough. Knowing, having a mental agreement of who Christ was and who he is and, and intellectually knowing that, that is not good enough. Coming to church, although I'm so glad that you do, and being like a religious person and a rule keeper is not good enough. It's not. Having a sentimental attraction to the person or ideals of Jesus is not enough. Only receiving the free gift of salvation that he offers is enough. You must receive it. You must make a deliberate and definite decision to receive him and your life and trust him only for your salvation. And some people, I have friends that are thinking, I know 
how to do this. I know what this is. I believe that it's true. And I'm going to do it before I die. Well, this is before you die. Today qualifies. So some of you, and you know I'm talking to you. you. More importantly, you know that Jesus is talking to you. He said, I assure you, the time is here when people will hear my voice, even though they're spiritually dead. The voice of the Son of God, you're hearing it now, and those who listen will live. Will you, will you, right now, make this your prayer? Let's bring lights down. We're going to bring them back up. We're not done. You're not going anywhere. But make this your prayer. Lord, I know that I need you. Lord, I have known about you. I have agreed with you. I have come to services for you. I have read your word about you. But I have never gotten to that point where I say, Lord, the only way for my sin to be dealt with, the only way for death and eternal death to be dealt with is for me to come to you and say, I need you. I need you. I have chosen to be my own God too many times in too many ways. And I'm sorry. And Lord, the penalty that I deserve for that, you took upon yourself and rose again. And you offer me freedom and forgiveness if I will only trust in what you've done in my place. I do that right now in the best way I can. I trust you, Lord. I invite you to come into my life and make my life, my heart, your home. You be my Lord, not just the Lord. You be my Savior, my Rescuer, not just the Rescuer. We thank you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for defeating death and sin in our place. And thank you that with you, life will never end. In Jesus' name, amen. Bring him up. We're not letting him free yet. Okay. I hope, I hope every single person here, every single person listening to this podcast in the future has either a point in time where you say, I did that, and I know that, or I did that now. If you did that now, we want to know so we can encourage you and pray for you and give you some resources so you can grow in that that relationship, right? It's a gift that you receive, right? Want to know about it so we can encourage you. And and don't don't freak out. You didn't just become Baptist. You just became his, okay? Number four, how can we now live free of fear of death? Apostle Paul had it down. He had it down. He wrote this. He said, for me, Paul's saying, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Wow. Well, some of us believe this about Paul believing it. Some of us believe it about Paul. We just 
don't necessarily believe it about us practically, right? So we think dying is gain. Well, sometimes, sometimes I got to tell you, sometimes if you're like me, you don't think of dying as gain, right? Think about dying as losing the people and things and experiences that I hold dear, right? That's loss. You track it with me? We think of gain or loss, but what if, what if Jesus, what if Jesus was the one thing that I hold more dear than anything else, then dying becomes gain, right? Because I get more. I get to actually be in his presence. Does that mean you hate your kids and you hate your life and you hate your, no, no. It just means he's, he's the most, and we can't gin that up. We can't religious that up. He's got to give us that heart. He's got to give us that heart. Here's the thing. The degree to which you see dying as gain is the same degree to which Jesus is your life. You say, I can't say dying is gain. I don't always see it that way. Don't start there. Start with what he said, for me to live is Christ. Because when you and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can get to where our hearts hold everything in the open hand and Jesus in the closed hand, you know what I'm talking about? If you're with us for uh, free from fear of loss, that's what we talked about, closed hand, open hand. Go back and listen to it, right? If we do that, then dying is gain. Dying is gain. Because Christ is our life. Check this out. If Jesus has taken our fear of dying, then why would we not live for him? That's for the Christian who says, I ain't afraid to die. I ain't afraid to die. Let me ask you this. Then why be afraid to live for him? If he's given you eternity of everything, everything, everything with him, every good thing with him, why would you not give him these 60, 70, 80, 90 years? Good question. Good question. But if to live is Christ, then to die would be gain. Jesus has conquered death. He has conquered death. And his presence that we sang about, oh no, you never let go through the calm, through the, right? That's it. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, threatening, right? I will fear no evil. There will be no fear. No fear of death, no fear of danger, no fear of, no fear. Why? For you are with me. His presence. You are with me. You are with me. You are with me. You are all I need to know. I don't need to know where we're going. I don't need to know the dangers. I don't need to know the threats. I don't, I just need to know who is with me. You got somebody that really knows that they are unstoppable until they accomplish everything that God has set out for them to do. Unstoppable. That's all I need to know is who is with me. And nothing 
and no one can ever change that. Paul says, I know that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor powers, nor principalities, nor things to come, nor things past, nor nothing separates you from God. When he comes in, he ain't leaving. He's a squatter. He's taking over, right? He ain't leaving. Even if you try to leave, he ain't leaving. He ain't leaving you. For those who have um, lost somebody dear to you, I want to give you some comfort. Paul did too. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, sisters, about those who are asleep. He's talking about those who died. That you may not grieve as others who have no hope. We do grieve. He said, you, you're going to grieve. We, we cry. We grieve. Our hearts break. We cry. Our tears are our only food. So we have no more tears to shed. You've been there. You know this, right? But you don't grieve as those who have no hope. For those whom you love, who receive the gift, live on. You will be with them. I assure you, and this is why we are so passionate that everyone we love knows the gift. Everyone we know and love knows the gospel, can receive it because we love them. We never want to be separated from them. We want to be with them in Christ. Let me tell you this truth for those of you who have lost someone you love in the faith. Jesus holds them. Jesus is holding you. In that respect, you are now together. You will always be because when you flatline here, you'll be with them, with him in eternity in glory. It will be. It will be. And he has given you his Holy Spirit as a deposit so that you would know this. You grieve, but you don't grieve as somebody who has no hope. Underneath it all, holding us is that hope, that blessed assurance. As we this verse, um, I'm going to tell you a story and then we're going to let you go. This is very, very personal and important to my family. Jesus said this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me because I am God. In my Father's house are many rooms. Other translations say in my... In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. My friends, if you have lost a child, if you have outlived one of your children, I believe you've experienced one of the deepest pains that, that I, I hope never to know. My mom, whom uh, many of you know, she was here a couple weeks ago, um, in the span of four years, lost two children who lived about a week from um, different blood diseases. Their names were Patricia and Kevin. They were full-term. Um, two different pregnancies between me and my uh, Sister Elizabeth, who's six years younger. After this, this woman of great faith, her faith was just shaken, right? She, she believed in God, but why should she experience this pain, these babies, the joy, and then the, 
right? They didn't know then to anticipate these things. And, and it took a financial strain on my family. Um, she had been a nurse and, and maintained her license. It was time she had to go back, right? And, and she, my, we, some of us were little, and so she wanted to be home during the day. So we said, well, I need a, a place at the hospital. And they said, well, the only opening we have is in the newborn nursery. She said, oh, absolutely not. Abs- that God, that's a cruel joke. So she waited, and then there was a night shift, 11 to 7, in intensive care. She said, okay, I'll do that. She gets in, and there's this man, we'll call him Mr. Smith, who had been in there for some time. He's now in a coma. But she knows about him because the other nurses joke about how crazy he was. You see, Mr. Smith had been, um, he's from Brooklyn or something, he says, like there, he had been married like 60 years. And apparently a man of deep faith because they had heard him, the other nurses, talking incessantly about the fact that his wife, who had died some years earlier, um, was with Jesus in heaven getting the house ready. And when that was, when it was time, he would go and and join them. Jesus was going to come and get him, just like this verse says. And they would joke about the man. And, of course, he had been, by the time my mom started work, in a coma for about a week, and they're expecting, because his vitals are getting really weak, that he's going to die like any time then. So she's going around. She's got the chart. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. She walks by his room, and he is not laying down. He is sitting straight up. Holds his hand out to my mother, who sits on his bed and takes his hand. And he's, he's talking to her, but he's looking past her and he says the house is ready the house is ready and Jesus is coming to get me and it is a beautiful home and I'm going to be with my Lord and my wife in eternity it's a beautiful white house and there is a big green lawn out front there are two children playing on the lawn. And he looks at my mother and says, they're your children. And he dies. And my mom leaves work and comes home and wakes us up and says, it's okay. They're home. And he is weeping. He said, if I could just have somebody Tell me that about my loved one. I believe it too. You just did. It's just as true. It's just as true. And if you and I can walk in that comfort and that assurance, man, how little would I worry? How little would I cling and smother? Look, being a parent, that's tough business. I know. I'm trying to be one. Elizabeth Stone, don't know her. She's wise, though. She's making the decision to have a child. It is momentous. Some of you have heard this. It is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. That means that we got to make sure that that child, that heart, is held in an open hand. 
and only Jesus is our clean clothes hand. He takes, he gives. We trust him. Here's a parent prayer. Blank, that's a name. Maybe several. Does not belong to me. He or she belongs to you, Jesus, and I give him or her to your care, your keeping. You can love your child more by doing this than by clinging. Right? That's what we want to do. Jesus holds the keys, and whoever has him has life. And whoever does not, does not have life. But it is for the taking. It is for the receiving. It is the gift. And St. Augustine said this, the Jews looked upon a serpent to be freed from serpents, and we look upon the death of Christ to be delivered from death. If there was no death, how much victory could you walk in? If you have Christ, there is life. You can be free. We're going to pray, but if you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, I want to know. Ty wants to know. We need to help you. If you are struggling with any chains, he holds the key. He holds the key. And though we've been held captive, at long last we are free. For he holds the key. We want you free. So if you need help praying for that, Ty is in that corner. Uh, we got Edwards in this corner. We got Jeremy in this corner. I'm standing over here. We got women to pray with you, Quincy, my wife to pray with you. We need to do this and get free. Okay? Let's pray and then we're going to go. Lord, you are so good. You are so, so good. Lord, one day you are going to make all sad things untrue for those who are in you. And right now you give us assurance that, that sin and death and loss, it has lost its power in you. We want that. We want to know that. Lord, we want to look at dying as gain because for us to live is you. Lord, there's a lot of change that needs to happen in our hearts and minds. And frankly, we can't do it. But we invite you in through your spirit to make our lives about you so that living can be abundant and dying can be gained. And we're going to celebrate this now with every breath and forever in your presence. I love these people. You love these people. Let's make a connection and keep going. Thank you for your victory. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to.